0: One of the unique dynamics facing a stepfamily today is the ongoing conflict that can exist between former spouses and the impact that conflict
1: can have on children. Here's Ron Deal. I think parents really underestimate the ability of their children to handle the truth. But we do need to be respectful as we present that truth. The fine line is when you turn to criticism, when it becomes a personal attack that's when it really begins to weigh heavy on the kids. You know, when I attack your father living in another home, parents need to understand that kid carries that pain because I'm half of dad.
0: This is Family Life Today. Our host is the president of Family Life, Dennis Rainey, and I'm Bob Lapine. What can a husband and wife do to help children in a stepfamily navigate turbulent emotional waters? We're going to have a conversation about that today. Stay tuned. And welcome to Family Life Today. Thanks for joining us. I have never forgotten a friend of mine. Um, I will call her Beth. She had been married, uh, had a son. The marriage had not lasted. She had been a single parent for a number of years, and then she met a guy. And this guy was, uh, well, he was wonderful. And I was a little suspicious, frankly, of just how wonderful he was. I, I thought, she's been pretty lonely for a long time. Not only that, but she wanted to have another baby and she wasn't getting younger. Well, the two of them got married and I'll never forget, it It didn't take long for her to arrive at work one day and Beth said to me, she she didn't look good. I said, are you okay? She said, well, we had a pretty serious disagreement this morning and I said, what was it about? And she uh, she went on to explain that her new husband had uh, had tried to tell her son a few things that he needed to do and had started shouting at him. And she said, I got in the middle between the two of them. I said, you're not going to talk to my son this way. And the whole thing just kind of crumbled into everybody going in their own direction and nobody feeling good about the situation. And I thought, this couple needs someone who can sit down with them and say, you got to start learning some new skills if you're going to make this thing work.
2: At our Family Life Marriage Conference, uh, we focus in on giving people biblical skills in knowing how to build a marriage and a family. And one of the fastest growing segments that are attending our Family Life Marriage Conference are those who are step families, those who find themselves in remarried situations. And I'll tell you, they're eager, Bob, for those skill sets because they've been in um, the the real life settings where they're afraid that they may uh, again experience uh, the heartache of divorce not all but many who are in step families uh, come about it through that route right some through the death of uh, of a spouse but all this week we've uh, uncovered a resource that we wanted to bring our listeners and uh, really thrilled to do so because of the of the specialized needs of step-families. And today we want to focus on the subject that you brought up, Bob, the subject of of step-parenting and how that works its way out in this this new family formation. And uh, Ron Deal joins us for a fourth day Ron, it's uh, been a treat to have you on the broadcast this week, and uh, glad to have you on Family Life today. Thank you. Ron is a, a minister, a counselor, a speaker on uh, the subject of step families all across the country, has a seminar that he does. And, Ron, one of the areas that you find the most relevant as you teach on this subject is this one right here. In fact, you break down parenting into three areas, parenting, step-parenting, and co-parenting.
1: Now, you got to help me. What's a co-parent? It's complicated, isn't it? It is. Co-parents are uh, ex-spouses or the biological parents of the children. In other words, if there has been a divorce situation, uh, the children are moving back and forth between two homes. You are no longer married to your former spouse. If you were never married, uh, you're, you're, you're not in that situation with them. But you do have an ongoing parenting mm-hmm. relationship with them. The way we like to say it is there's no such thing as ex-parents. There's only ex-spouses, and so you're forever tied through the children, and you have to work together. Otherwise, the children can divide and conquer as they move back and forth between homes, just like they could within your home. Yeah, and I don't know
0: in what order we want to go through parenting, step-parenting, or co-parenting, but as you've addressed the co-parenting issue right here, we get letters all the time, Dennis, from people who say, here's my situation. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've come to Christ. We're trying to raise our children in a godly Christian environment. We've got rules and, and things that our kids can't do. And then they go visit mom or dad on the weekend.
1: Right. He's living with a
2: girlfriend.
1: They're I...
0: watching R-rated movies Drinking, together. doing
1: drugs. Language. It's one of the most frustrating issues that I find. Whether we're talking about people that are still in single-parent years or whether they're in step families, the other household has a tremendous influence on the kids. And they ask the question, what can we do about it? here's my answer. First and foremost, please accept and acknowledge that you do not control what goes on in that other home. And the reason I say that is because under the, uh, under the guise of being concerned, there's a lot of ex-spouses that are still trying to control their ex. They're still trying to tell them what to do, and they've been divorced for years. You've got to understand that divorce means you lose your right to influence the other person. And that's one of the unfortunate results of divorce.
2: Yeah, but I can hear um, a single-parent mom or a, a, a woman who's in a, a stepfamily right now going, but you do not know what my son is walking off into with his stepdad. You're not telling me to just let him go off into that situation. God's given me responsibility to protect
1: him from evil. Well, let's let's assume and let's say, first of all, we're not talking about abuse situations. We're not talking about extreme situations where they're walking into abuse. But in non-abuse situations, what I'm trying to say is it's important for the children to keep their relationships alive with the biological parents, even if, and this is so difficult, but even if there is a negative influence, what you've got to do is you've got to influence your kids towards Christ when they are in your home and do everything you can to influence them while they are in your home. I've been asked this question by um,
2: a stepfamily mom. My son was taken to a pornographic Hmm. uh, flick by my ex. What's my responsibility?
1: Well, uh, I'm assuming that the child is a little bit older. I don't know what the age of the child is.
2: He was uh, early teens.
1: Well, obviously, that's an extreme circumstance. But here's the answer, and it's a truth that people have to come to accept. You can influence him while he's in your home. One of the things you can try to do with your son is do some inoculating. Inoculation is when you give... Children, a piece of what the world thinks And then you turn it over and you say But here's what God has to say about that It happens when we're watching a television show And they teach something about greed for money And how important that is And you turn the TV show off when it's over And you say, let's talk about how God feels about money Now, one of the things that that ex-spouses or co-parents can do is that they can talk to their kids about what they know they're experiencing in the other home. Now, here's the trick. You can't make it personal. You can't say, you know, your dad's a big jerk because he took you to the porn flick. You can't say your dad's an idiot because he's drinking beer on Saturday nights. What you need to say is, you know, some people in the world believe that it's okay to do this or that or this, and you and the kid both know. If they have any maturity to them, they, you, you both know what you're talking about, but you're not making a personal criticism of the other parent. Uh, what you're doing is you're teaching the children what God would have them to do. And then in the course of that conversation, you can perhaps get around to what might you do when you're with your dad and he offers this to you? What might you say? And hopefully you can coach the child into a situation where they're empowered to do something holy. What would you
2: say to the, um, the stepfather? who is not the biological father, but now married to uh, to his wife mm-hmm. and who's watching this happen, who may feel like, mm, I've got to step in here. Yeah. I've got to be the man. I've got to protect my, my stepson from his father.
1: There's no one right answer, but let me say it's very delicate. That stepfather, I think, has to try to influence his children through his wife, especially in the early years of the stepfamily's development. He probably just doesn't have the authority or the relationship base to say, you know what, your dad's really making a mistake here. Because think about that. Then automatically this child is in a position of choosing, of loyalty. And when you force loyalties on children, it doesn't matter that God's truth is right. What matters is I love my dad. And the minute you begin to denigrate my dad, tell me I don't have to listen to my dad, then I turn you off.
2: So you're saying that stepfather then needs, uh, at least in the early developmental phases of that stepfamily to do most of his um, parenting,
1: spiritual training through his wife, through his wife. He needs to support her, coach her, work with her behind the scenes. They need to figure out what their game plan is. But mom's really the only one who's got a voice with the child to carry it out. You know, one of the things that mom is scared about in this situation,
0: let's say you've got an 11 or 12 year old who's going over to dad's and dad gives him a lot of freedom, mm. no restrictions, mm. lets him play Nintendo all weekend long if he wants to. Back home, he can only play for a half an hour a day, and that's mm-hmm. after his homework's done, and all of a sudden it's regulated, and she's thinking he's going to hit 13 or 14, and he's going to say, I want to go live with Dad. Yeah. How does she protect herself from that reality and keep him from wandering off to a full-time situation with Dad?
1: Well, first of all, she can't keep him. I'm sorry, I hate to say it, but you lose control of certain things when children are moving back and forth in different homes. What she needs to try to do is she needs to try to influence her children. She should not come down to dad's level. I I think that's a big mistake that people make. Maybe I need to lower my standards. Maybe I need to be more fun. Maybe we need to spend more money on the kids so that they, in effect, were competing for their loyalty and somehow I can keep them in, in the fold that way. It doesn't work. Kids grow to respect parents who maintain their boundaries, and over time that kids will probably try out the values of the other home at some point in time. Sometimes they don't, but if they do, you know, that's a prodigal time, and it's very, very difficult, and you've got to continue to pray for your kids. But most of the time in the long run, they have a tendency to come back to where the stability is, back to where truth is.
2: And you know, in that situation, the, the verses I'm about to read here are very difficult to choke down but it's the truth of God's Word. Um, Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead. And it goes on to talk about the next few verses of refraining your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking guile. If I were in that situation, the hardest thing for me to do would be to remain silent about the former spouse. And it would be so easy to take them on, to get so angry at the disrespect for your own belief and your faith. And then in addition to that, there's the context out of which the divorce occurred.
1: The truth is the truth. But when it comes to, if I can shove this truth down your throat and make you choose this over your biological parent, Mm -hmm. it's a losing game. And that's just something parents need to understand. They need to influence, they need to teach, they need to train, but they cannot force loyalties. It just doesn't work. It backfires every time. So in effect, you're giving the kids the opportunity to choose truth.
0: So what do you do then as you talk about your ex-spouse to his son or to her daughter? You may find yourself wanting to, at one level, say, you know, there were legitimate reasons why mom and dad are no longer together
1: hmm.
0: and you don't want to to defame or slander the right. other person right but if you make it sound like your dad really is a wonderful guy there's going to be a child there going well so how come the two of you aren't together anymore
1: well i think you can you can talk about you know the truth of what happened as children grow you can give them more and more information about the past and what the relationships are, I think we can really be honest with our kids. I think parents really underestimate the ability of their children to handle the truth, but we do need to be respectful as we present that truth. And the minute you, the, the fine line is where you turn to criticism when it becomes a personal attack. That's when it really begins to weigh heavy on the kids. And parents don't understand that either. You know, when I attack your your father living in another home, parents need to understand that kid carries that pain because I'm half of dad.
2: You know, as you were talking, it's occurred to me that we focused on the co-parent who is the renegade, Mm. who is the evil co-parent who's trying to pollute the soul of uh, a son or a daughter. I would think the vast majority of those who are co-parents, even coming out of, of a divorce, are those who are cooperating co-parents who want to who wanna do what's right by the son or the daughter. What are some principles of working with a co-parent who, um, who really would like to see that, that young lad or that young lady become all that God intended?
1: The goal in co-parenting is to contain whatever hostility or conflict exists, to contain that so that we can work together as a team on behalf of our children. Now you're speaking about the divorce at this point. Exactly. It's it's it, what we're saying is the marriage is over but the parenting continues. So how do we do parenting? How are we going to do it effectively for our kids? couple of ideas. One thing would be to meet on a regular basis. Some co-parents can stand to do that once a month. Some can do it every week. But uh, you know, I think twice a month, once a month, have a business meeting. Sit down at the table or do it on the phone or do it by email if you really are not able to talk to one another in a healthy way. But there's lots of co-parents who can sit down at a table and say, here's what's going on with Susie. You know, School's going like this and we're struggling with this subject and uh, the teachers are telling me that she probably ought to work a little bit more at home. We're trying to do this in our home. What do you think you might be able to do in your home? And the two are cooperating on behalf of the children. It's really a very nice uh, situation when that occurs. Uh, the The term that we like to use is cooperative colleagues. Mm-hmm. You know, we're still cooperating for these kids. And uh, by the way, rules don't have to be the same. You know, my parents uh, have been missionaries to Kenya every year for the last 15 years, and they get on a plane, they fly to Kenya, they get off the plane, And, uh, you know, the customs and rituals and traditions are entirely different. You drive on the left side of the road, for crying out loud. I got to go over there 15 years ago, and it takes a little getting used to. But then you come back to the United States, and uh, you got to switch back. My dad came back one year, started driving on the left side of the road in Oklahoma City and couldn't figure out why the traffic was honking. And then he figured out, I'm the idiot. I've got to switch back. (laughs) Well, kids are moving back and forth between homes. And even though the rituals are different, the rules are different, the customs are different, it has a different personality. To this home compared to the other home, they can make the switch. There's always an adjustment period, but if the rules are consistent, kids can do really well.
2: You know, there's something you touched on. I want to put a double underline and an exclamation point beside, and that's where the the wife is dealing with her former husband, and there's cause there for her to have been offended, or uh, the cause of the divorce left a reproach where she needs to forgive him. Mm. And he needs to forgive her. She's not responsible for his lack of forgiveness of her, but she is responsible Mm -hmm. for her lack of forgiveness of her former spouse. And if they're going to get together, whether it be by email, by phone, or in person, they're going to have to have a civil relationship where all the accounts have been settled.
1: And her children need her to forgive. Bingo. If she
2: hasn't forgiven... I promise you, her children, and as far as that goes, her stepchildren mm. will know that she has bitterness or a lack of a forgiving heart. Mm. Right. And so it's very important, I think, in the process of setting up this this relationship with a co-parent to make sure as far as it depends upon you mm. to be at peace with all men. Now, if that person won't forgive you, refuses to forgive you, uh, refuses to settle the account, then that's their responsibility. Right. But but you need to pursue that and seek to, to make sure that forgiveness has been requested and sought.
0: I have to ask you, I, I don't know how often this happens, but let's say you've arranged for one of these monthly business meetings that you talked about. Mm-hmm. And about the third time you show up for one of these and you sit down across the table from your former wife, your former husband, and you look up and, you know, she she's really looking pretty today. Mm, yeah. And and you you start to talk about some things related to your son and you're both so proud of him. Something happened in school and all of a sudden there's just – there's a stirring.
2: And especially if things aren't going so well back yeah. at the – Back at the ranch with with your new wife.
1: I think that's fairly common to have leftover feelings of fondness and love for the person that you're sitting across the table with. The thing that people have to remember is that the marriage is over. We do not cross into personal territory with one another anymore. It's done. And that is so important because when your ex-spouse calls and says, you know, the screen door on the back is... Uh, is kind of uh you know it's kind of off, and uh, the kids are going in and out. Could you come over and fix it I've had a lot of new wives call and say, My husband keeps going over and taking care of her tasks at the house with his ex spouse should he be doing it? And the answer is absolutely no. Mm-hmm. that is not a parent issue. if it's a parent issue, then mm-hmm. you do everything you can to cooperate with that ex uh, but if it is a marital issue, a romance issue a a help issue, nope that's personal. You say, you quietly and politely say to your ex, I'm sorry, I appreciate the invitation. I know I've done some of those things for you in the past. I don't think it's right for me to do that anymore.
2: I've counseled people in that situation, and I think it's very important to have some clear boundaries in place. And I would just add around your meetings, if indeed you're going someplace to talk about the parenting of your biological child together, it may be important for you to, one of you, to bring your spouses with you.
1: If that's what you need, yeah, whatever it's going to help to keep that relationship pure and what it needs to be. Sure. Well,
2: I would go a little bit further than that, Ron. I would say I wouldn't want to encourage a, two former spouses to meet alone together to talk about the
1: needs of their children. Oftentimes, this happens on the phone. And really, that's one of the best ways of doing it because it helps to just keep that boundary where it needs to be. You can do a lot of business on the phone. I'm amazed at how, how many co-parents can do good business over email. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you can get it done.
2: You know, uh, speaking of uh, healthy relationships, let's talk about one other dimension of the co-parent, and that's the grandparents. Mm. Uh, you know, and, and I tell you, I get into this thing, and it's like the step family. This is a it's it's a bowl of spaghetti.
1: It's complicated. It
2: is incredible. What encouragement would you give to a um, a biological parent in, in dealing with the co-parent and their grandparents? One of the the six
1: possible grandparents the child has now, right? Yeah, I guess we should call them ex-grandparents or ex-in-laws. Maybe would be the way to say it. Bonds for children are very very important. Anything you can do. To set aside your personal needs and wants. Remember, that the phrase I like to use is, it's all about the children. What you want doesn't matter anymore. If it's good for them to be with your ex-spouse's parents, their grandparents, then you make the time.
2: Okay, what if it's not good? them to be with them.
1: Well, again, it's kind of the same situation as dealing with the, the ex-spouse's home. You try to influence the kids when they're in your home. You really don't have any control over how much time they spend with their grandparents. They can go over to dad's house and dad can just drop them off in the grandparents' house, which happens pretty frequently. And uh, And you wish they were with their father, but they're not. They're with his parents. You don't have any control over that.
2: Well, but I can hear a mom saying, yes, I do have control over taking them directly to the grandparents' house.
1: Well, that that's true, uh, and, and that would be an issue that you would have to talk to your ex-spouse about. Most of the recourse that biological parents have regarding the children and what's going on in the other homes or with grandparents comes down to that co-parent relationship, and that's why it's so important to get to a place where you're trying to work together. You know, some of the other terms we use for ex-spouses are angry associates and fiery foes, and they argue and they're conflictual all the time, and if that's the kind of relationship you have with them, then how are you going to have any influence over what goes on in the other home? You you won't, and that's why it, it it behooves us to to set aside our personal agendas, to work on forgiveness, to resolve our our personal emotional issues, so that we can find a way to do the best business with that person we can.
2: You know, Ron, you have uh, done a wonderful job here with Bob and and uh, me firing. Hardballs at you here. I feel like it. Bob and I have become a, a duo Chris Matthews on NBC's Hardball here. But you know, as you were talking, I just in my gut, I feel like we have just finished the fourth program hmm. of a giant apologetic, a giant defense for why you need to make your marriage work. Hmm. And and it's why Malachi chapter two, verse sixteen is true. For I hate Divorce. Now, we've said on the broadcast on numerous occasions, a step family is not only forged by divorce. There's the death of a spouse. There's also uh, the birth of a child out of wedlock. But many step families today are being formed out of a divorce.
0: We've also said many times that verse does not say I hate divorcees. Mm-hmm. Right. I mm-hmm. hate step families. And,
2: and we have tremendous compassion. I think that, I think that's what these broadcasts are all about. But as I listen to the complexities. If you're the person listening to this broadcast right now, who's been thinking, even beginning to cultivate the thought of divorcing your spouse, find a way to make your marriage work. Think about what you're what you're going to create. And and we've made it clear God visits people mm-hmm. in their step family. I mean, he he delights in broken situations of redeeming people's lives. But you know what? He doesn't want you to enter into those broken situations. He wants you to take the marriage you're in today and make it work. That's exactly right. And,
0: and I think the message that that we've tried to make clear here on Family Life Today is that the gospel is powerful to make whatever your situation is work. That two people who will go before God and humbly submit themselves to him and to his word there's hope for reconciliation whether it's a first marriage, second marriage, third marriage, whatever situation you're in. God can do that kind of a, a redeeming work and and Ron, I know your desire to help uh step families writing the book The Smart Step Family, the DVD series that's for small groups. Uh, The book, The Smart Step Dad, you co-wrote a book called The Smart Step Mom. You've got other resources. Your desire here is to, uh, to help couples find the help and hope that they need so that the marriage they're in is the marriage that they'll be in for the rest of their lives. And it's one of the reasons that we're excited here at Family Life that Ron is now a part of the team, that the smart step family work that he's been doing for years is now a part of what Family Life is doing. And in fact, we had a meeting not long ago to brainstorm new resources and new strategies for how we can help strengthen folks who are in a remarriage situation, how we can apply the gospel in those situations and those settings. And we'll have more to say about that in the months to come. In the meantime, if folks are interested in uh, the books that you've written or some of the articles that we have on our website at familylifetoday.com, go online and you can order resources from us or look through the extensive list of articles that Ron has written that we've got posted. Again, our website is familylifetoday.com. You can also call if you'd like more information about the resources we have. 1-800-FL-TODAY is the number. one 800 358 6329 That's 1-800-F as in family, L as in life, and then the word today. And tomorrow we're going to continue our conversation with Ron Deal. We're talking all this week about step families. Hope you can tune in tomorrow. Want to thank our engineer today, Keith Lynch, and our entire broadcast production team. On behalf of our host, Dennis Rainey, I'm Bob Lapine. We'll see you back next time for another edition of Family Life Today. Family Life Today is a
1: production of Family Life of Little Rock, Arkansas. Help for today. Hope for tomorrow.